just like an angel Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I was special You're so very special Cindy Aguilar from Trading for a Purpose. So today I have a special guest with special talents. Um, his name is Lamar. Hi everybody, how's it going? Yes, and he has a lot of things to share with the world um, that can really inspire, can really change people's lives. And that's why I wanted him to come out here and do this podcast with me because I think um, he could really make an impact. So there you have it. Um, do you want do you want to introduce yourself and yeah, say yeah, where you're so, from? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, born and raised in Los Angeles, uh, spent a little bit of time down in San Diego in my younger uh, adult life, and from about age 20 to 25, I want to say, um, you know, I've been raised by my grandmother, and I have some strong roots with um, just my heritage, you know. Um, I do believe in certain things that still apply to today, and like managing a dollar and, you know, maintaining a, a good work ethic things that have trickled down for me and I hope that I could pass some of this knowledge along to anyone who wants to listen. No, absolutely. Be effective with your time and master that. And all those little crumbs are going to add up to be a big cookie. Right. No, it's true. Um, do you... Th- do you say that that your job interferes with with trading, like, because you trade uh, six days a week, yeah. right? So, uh, do you feel like it's interfered? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and it, so, and how do you uh, track your time then? You know, because you you work a nine to five job. Um, as Some, sometimes it's not nine to five. Sometimes it's five to nine. Five to five, <laughs> to, five to nine. nine to nine know, in the morning. From yeah. five p.m. to nine in the morning. So you work these extensive hours. You know, yeah. like that overkills your brain power a little bit. So how do you maximize then? You know, like you know how what? do you use your time effectively? Now, now Can this, you tell us? <laughs> I'm gonna make this <laughs> joke, but I, I know it's. You guys probably understand what I mean. You know what? Sleep faster. Sleep what Arnold says, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, just getting get into it, it's, there are times where, you know, I miss opportunities, you know. A trader okay. is always aware, but they may not always be able to act. And what happens is you may leave money on the table. We don't like to do that. Right. You may have missed opportunities, but you have to understand that it's going to be par for the course. You're not going to get 100% of 100% trades every single time. Okay. You know, and if you get 99.99% out of 100 and that last 0.01 or point whatever, it's, if that's the one time that you lost, you have to be okay with that. And really, it's it's not necessarily you lost money. It's perspective. Mm. It's a missed opportunity not to make money. See, people get things of, hey, I lost money, and the perspective of, you know what, it's an opportunity that I didn't make money. They get those things twisted. Right. They get them. They get them mistaken. Like, oh man, I I lost four hundred bucks today. You know, really? Did it come out of your account, or was it four hundred bucks you didn't make? And so it's a perspective. So, mm. with my time and working both 
I have to basically, at this point now, I'm a little bit more diverse. Okay. So I trade equities, I trade currency, which is 24 hours, so it works with me. So, and you know, I don't want to change my lifestyle necessarily just to trade. But you can trade and become a trader where you can trade around your lifestyle. Mm. You can make it all work together. It's kind of like the gears in the watch, you know? What happens if you move one of those gears? The whole watch falls apart, right? Right. But what if you had a, let's, let's put it like this. What if you had a glass bottle? And in the glass bottle, you said, I'm going to fill this glass up with a bunch of marbles. Man, that thing is full to capacity. You put the top on it, screw it on, you shake it up and down. None of the marbles are moving because it's tight to capacity. But could you get in a little bit more in there? Well, yeah, let's look at smaller denominations. Let's try to squeeze in a couple, five, ten minutes. Let's try to squeeze in a little bit here and there. How about I add a little bit of sand? Mm-hmm. Now I'm pouring sand over the actual marbles and it's filling it up even more. Now yeah. you're saying, well, I thought I couldn't put any more in. I thought I thought my whole day was, was full to capacity. I couldn't put any more in that day. But you actually added a little bit more. See, I like the way Martin Luther King actually said it. He said, look... The first step in faith is not to take the whole staircase, but to take the first step. And there's always a little bit you have to do. I like to say, you know, it's always a, you know, a mile for an inch. I have a buddy I was talking to about that. I said, you know what? I it's the the success scales are not just as like you may have more free time than I do. Right. You know, and it, that that's not fair. And people may feel like that, but right. it's really. You have to be effective with the time you have and there are ways if there is a will there is a way to do it Absolutely. now let me ask you this the glass jar that has the marbles full to the top the glass jar that has the sand surrounding the marbles is the jar still full or can you put more in there you can probably put more in there what about water so now you put sand around the marbles you have the marbles in there and fill it up you can add a little bit more now you add water and it soaks up into the sand. And people say, well, I can't put any more in a day. I got too much stuff going on. <laughs> hey, look, excuses don't explain, explanations don't excuse. Right. You have to be creative. You got to find a way. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think just people just make excuses and want to blame others. You know, or they want to blame others because someone's making more than them or because they have more time than them. But at the end of the day, like, it comes down to you. You know, I, I thought about... Um, when people who may have something like, you know, they may have the car, the watch, the, the nice clothes, and, you know, maybe some finances. And some people look at that as, well, you know what? You're so lucky. But what if it, you don't know their story? Mm. You don't know the background. Yeah. You can't prejudge, right? Well, that's true. You never know if the person, you know, not everyone came with a silver spoon in their mouth, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Absolutely. I didn't either. <laughs> you know? So you, you have to you have to look back and sometimes what happens is this. People see someone doing well and the jealousy starts to create. And what ends up happening is it's not that they're they don't understand this is what they don't understand. It's not that they're not trying or they don't want it. It's the fact that they either have not tapped into their resources, they don't have the guidance. You know, I didn't have my first mentor really, someone that literally coached me and took me under their wings and I'm 
mean, you have people around you that love you and care mm-hmm. about you and want to have the best for you. But who's your mentor? Yeah, they'll really kind of coach you. That person you can go to and say, look, they can guide you to the level of where you're trying to get to because they've been there. Right. I didn't have that person in my life until I want to say 20 years old. Wow. Do you feel like it, it impacted your life and took you to the next level? Because yeah. there's a saying, like, you, if you want to progress in life, if you really want to go to the next level, find that mentor. Yeah, it's like reading a book from someone that's 55 years old. Look, you can do this your way or all you want to, and that's great. But you can tack on experience from someone that's 50 years old. Now you created that for yourself, and now you got a little bit further than where you were. You know, don't be afraid of calling and reaching out to your teams. Mm-hmm. So even in my jobs, I have mentors. Even in my different career paths, someone trained me, someone actually coached me under their wings. And in trading and investing, I had to find the people because it was almost like people didn't want me to get in. That's why I felt. I kind of felt. I didn't. Have, it wasn't. No, I won't say that. It just wasn't the embracing as I thought it was. Hmm. You know, I felt it was kind of a, a you know, a two-tier scale. It was like, you didn't really understand, you know, I can't really talk to you about this stuff. Because, and, and I get it. I get it to a degree. I get it because, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's something challenging that takes time. This is education. You have to learn to do this. This isn't something that I can spend one day with you and say, hey, look, you're going to have this trading knowledge now. You know, and, and people, they, they go out to workshops, they go out to seminars, and they mm-hmm. think that after, you know, one three-hour workshop that, hey, I'm going to come here and get the nugget. And most people, if they don't have the full picture, they don't even know what to do with those moments. Yeah, that's true. You know? um, how much did you make on your first year as a trader? 2007, I started investing into... Um, you know, looking at trading and self-managing my retirement, I could okay. do two swing trades. Now, just for people who don't know yet, what a swing trade really is, is designed to pay you passive income. So something that's, you're gonna, you're a day trade, a pattern day trader is gonna be in and out of the market in a single day. A swing trader is gonna stay in the markets over several days, more than the actual day, and it depends on the asset you're trading in because in Forex, I mean, it's a 24-hour market, right? <laughs> But in the, typically in a stock market, you know, you're going to be in and out, okay, West Coast, we're here at 6.30 in the morning to 1 p.m. If you hold it more than that day, several days, couple weeks on end, that's a swing trade. So when I started trading my first year, I would approximately, because I don't have the exact figure, it was somewhere in the teens. So I could have made somewhere around thirteen dollars to $17,000 self-managing my retirement oh. and not just letting it just buy and hold and lead it up to whatever the market's going to do because the market right. could be down for several years. Yeah. You know, and so that that year, and you were part of the 2008 2009 crash. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My trading investing goes back. I remember um, a coworker and I. We were trading investing. I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, five o'clock, we would decide which trades we're going to get in. I would roll over next to me. I had a computer sitting right next to me. I would I would make these interfund transfers with my retirement into different funds and say, okay, I'm going to be in this fund for four or five days, whatever the case is, and. I did that. I did that for several, uh, for literally all the way till 2000 and I want to say close to 2008, somewhere late 2007, because mm-hmm. we were having Fed cuts that were just literally dropping the market wow. the same day. And you know what, my buddy, we just stopped trading after that before the market crashed. He said he was more experienced than I was. He said, Lamar, you know, things are going crazy. Things are going haywire right now. Look, let's get out of the market. We've made a significant amount for the year, and let's just take our winnings and see what actually happens. So I stayed out of the sideline. The problem is. I stayed out of the sideline of trading from 2008, 2009. I didn't know what to do. Hmm. And you were lost. I was lost. And so I said, I'm going to look for brokers. I'm going to look for someone in the trading club wow. or something to help manage money for me. And I found a company over in Chicago, commodity brokerage firm. Um, I actually borrowed money from my retirement 
10 grand invested with this company. That next 2008, I made a lot of money. And as the market fell deeper and deeper, <laughs> you know, I actually ended up making, I want to say six to eight months, I made close to about $65,000 with that 10 grand. And when the markets, yeah, yeah, when the markets went down and everything went down with it, like a domino effect, <laughs> and I lost all that capital. Now this brokerage firm was in Chicago; they were invested in grains, so the commodity futures market, but it was grains, so like corn, rice, soybeans, stuff like mm. that. And they lost all that money. I had a margin call for thirty-two cents, and what? I remember the brokers calling me up. This is my first introduction to hearing brokers feel, "Oh, well, the markets go up, the markets go down. <laughs> you know, we're in this for the long haul. You know, Lamar, some people lost more money than you." I said, what the heck is a margin call? I'm stuck on that. And I said, he said, well, what you have to do is give us 32 cents to balance your account to zero. I said, well, don't I have that in my account? He said, no, you don't understand. Your account went from 65 grand to a negative 32 cents. You have to pay to balance it out to zero. So my initial investment, gone. My $65,000 profit, gone. I should have taken the money out and paid taxes on it and got my own education and got my own training and I didn't do it. And, you know, I said... From that point, I will never let a broker manage money for me ever again. Yeah. And so I said, I can just lose money for free. I don't have to hire someone. I don't have to pay them. <laughs> so I actually, I did. I opened up a, a trading account. <laughs> and I actually made, it was frugal. I made a little bit of money and I get right back to the market. And you started with futures first? No, well, that was, I was trading my, 2007, I was trading my account. I was trading, self-managing my portfolio. And then when the market started to have these Fed cuts, things were going crazy in 07, I stopped. 2008, I found a broker who managed money for me, mm. lost all the money. I didn't do anything 2009. And I said, okay, after that, the market was at its lowest. You know, it bottomed out in March 2009. Throughout that year, I said, I opened up a Scott Trade account. I just said, a small trade account. And I'll put about, you know, 500 bucks into it and I'd make a little bit of money and I'd give it right back. And so I said, I could do personal trading on my own. I have to have people manage money for me. It was frugal. I make a little money, get it right back. And I didn't understand what controlled the markets, what drove them. It seemed like I don't know if anyone ever felt this before. Anytime you bought a stock, it went up just slightly, and then all of a sudden it went against you. Yeah. So it seems like every single time I buy, it drops. So I thought the market was against me, like they were watching me. Like they were playing My, with you. Yeah. And I'm like, it's only five hundred dollars. Why do they care about me? <laughs> and then it seemed like every time I got out of the markets, and I pulled out or I sold the trade because I lost all this money. It would go into yeah. your favor. Yeah, it would go up again. So I literally, I literally thought the market was against me, and honestly, what I found out was that I was chasing price. I was, I was buying after the rally. Mm. I was exiting after, you know, and it was just at the wrong time. And I realized that the price of the market, I had no idea what controlled it, and I realized that I didn't know what really affected the markets because, you know, I was just hey, buy and hold, you know, and maybe you'll make some money. And, you know, I never learned anything about making money sideways or down. You know, I, I heard about it. I didn't know how to do it. Until you started uh, the academy classes. Yeah. So, so what happened for me was um, 2014, actually, I, I got a postcard email. They invited me out to a half-day workshop. And yeah. it was old snail mail. Hey, come <laughs> on, learn how to trade and invest. And I'm like, sounds cheesy. All right, I'll go. Cheesy. <laughs> I mean, I was just like not making money with my trading account. You know, I tried that for a few years, it didn't work out for me. And uh, Online Trading Academy, um, they actually changed how I looked at the markets. Mm. So from 2007 to 2014, that's seven years, 
even though I learned things, even though I made some money in it, I want to say I learned more in the first two years of getting actual market education, getting actual, you know, uh, institutional information. I learned more in the first two years than I did in seven years of doing this long. And when I started with the Academy, I just said, you know what? I don't want to have a broker manage money for me. I need to learn how to manage my own portfolio a little bit more effective. And because here's the thing. I thought I could get away using all these technical analysis and indicators in 2007. But you got to realize it. From the bottom of the recession of 2000 to 2001, from 2001, the market had rallied up for years all the way to 2007. Yeah. So if you threw a dart at something, it was going up. You should have been making money on probably nine-tenths of the stocks that were in the S&P 500. You should have been making money. So actually... You could have been a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I would have just let it probably ride, you know, and that was a good market to go long, to buy it and hold it. But in this kind of day and age right now, you got to be a trader. You got to be effective. You got to know what's happening in the market. You got to step back and look at the big picture of things and you have to be aware of what's going on. So when I came to the Academy, that's what they taught me. They taught me how to... I want to say like this. They taught me how to coexist in a predatory environment, like a pilot or a remora fish to a shark. It knows it's there. It won't eat it because it's there to help it. It knows that, you know, the fish know that they're always fed and they're always protected. Those pilot or remora fish, they're there because they're literally coexisting in a predatory environment. They have this mm-hmm. symb- symbiotic relationship, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's what they taught me to do. Okay. And would you say that, you know, that you're prepared for the crash this year? Because S&P 500 oh. is Oh, you have a peak. crystal ball. It's going to happen <laughs> this year. Yeah. You know what? The market... It's there. Look, in the 37 years I've been on this earth, when something sounds a little bit too good to be true, typically it is. Typically it is. And I really feel the market is oversold right now. And when I mean the market, I'm talking about the major index funds. I'm talking okay. about the Dow, the NASDAQ, the Russell 2000, and the S&P 500. And the market is so high, you know, and when people look back, I had a coworker, she told me, I lost $17,000 in this last October, just over two and a half months. And the funny part was, I said, oh, I was on graveyard, and you asked, how does it affect me? Well, you know, when you're at work, we we can all be honest about this. Typically, when we work a job, there's at least an hour in a day where we can play. And it, yeah. rather, it might be on social media. It's kind of like this, you know, when the cat's away, the mice yeah. play. Yeah. Because you got, hey, no one's looking at me. All right, let me play on the social media. Let me know on Facebook. Let me do whatever the case is, right? But are you on your trading platform? What's easy to do is easy not to do. So, I, yeah, I am. Yeah. Because I'm trying to maximize that time. So, I was looking at, I bring my tablet with me. I have a hotspot on my phone. That's what I said. Technology is, it can be your friend, right? Yeah. And... I will look at the markets. I will overlay charts. I will look at it. And so I saw the bonds market create a level in demand where people were buying in a massive amount of orders, institutional orders. And they didn't get all these orders taken care of. They still had money on the books. So they were waiting for the market to get back down to where it was. So 2011, 2012, the bonds market was inversely correlated. Those correlations worked from the S&P 500 that was in October. So it was a proper time to shift money mm-hmm. and every single week that the S&P was up, bonds was down. Every single week that S&P was down, bonds were up. And those inverse correlations went on that entire time. Mm-hmm. And it was almost a textbook trade. It was almost, you can see it. You can see it coming, you know. And 
No. And could you say that right now? That's what's <laughs> happening. No, I can't. I'm not giving trade advice. Hey, look, move your money into bonds right now. <laughs> like, I can't do that. You know. But what I'm saying is this: you have to look at everything. You have to look at the big picture. You know, I never looked at the news honestly because we know that the news is a catalyst driver. It's going to drive price, right? It's just a catalyst driver, whether it's good or bad They're news. They're just pumping price yeah, to where they want to. Pumping and dumping, right? Yeah. But what happens is, you know, when Trump said, hey, we're going to be in a government shutdown, this government shutdown affected the markets. And you were a part of that. Uh-huh. Oh, you want to talk about that? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> 38 days. Yeah. Well, 30, was it 38? I don't even remember. I think it was 35. Wow. That's still a lot. Yeah. No paychecks. And, the, and some of us were essential, or they call us accepted, meaning if you have a direct tied to the actual uh, operation you still have to go to work so like those people who are TSA agents at the airport they're government workers you know and you know in my line of the field what I do I'm in aviation so you know airports you know they're 24 hours so right. you, you literally have to be on your toes you literally have to be there and it's a you almost want to be uh, out of your character but you have to understand this you are responsible for how you act, regardless of how you feel. Right. Oh, well, the president said this, and now I have to come to work, and I'm mad and upset, this and that. Because what happens is we're dealing with people's lives that is bigger than us. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that we're put in those positions. And it doesn't make us feel good, you know. But, yeah, it was, it was a tough time. But, you know, every day what I did was I went to Starbucks and I was trading. Wow. Every day. And I yeah, traded I before that. I went to work. And I'm glad to know a 24-hour market. I'm glad to know how to day trade, how to swing trade, how to scout the market. And so you have to find what, you know, when you go back to the original question of, hey, you know, how do you find the time? I mean, when you, when you work, and you got a crazy schedule, it's chaotic. How do you find the time? You have to identify your individuality, how your character, how your mentality is. If you're a person that likes to stay up late, well, you know, these some of these markets are 24 hours. If you're a person that says, hey, look, I got time in the morning, you have to rearrange and create your lifestyle mm -hmm. of a schedule. You have to master, we talk about mastering it, you have to master your time. You have to adapt. Yep. Gotta be adaptive. Yeah. There was a book called uh, Adapt to the Cheese or something, or Don't Chase the Cheese. It's a book about these two mices, and they talk about adapting. Was it, was it Who Moved My Cheese? Who moved my okay, cheese? Right, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I keep forgetting. I need <laughs> Chasing to get the better. Chasing, yeah. Who moved my cheese? And I read that book was it in sharp one or was sitting. It yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> was it and, provolone? Was it? <laughs> right. Or Jack Cheddar? No, but um, they talk about that about adapting. Like, doesn't matter like where you are in life. Okay, we will be back after the break. We are back and ready to roll live. So, Lamar, um, next question is, what are your goals and ambitions? Has trading taught you something about yourself that you didn't know? What's your mission? You know, before um, my daughter, actually, I had really, everything was just about me, you know. Um, my goals and actually just kind of like things in life change over time. 
<clears throat> and actually what I ended up doing was, you know, uh, up until 2012, my goals were always make sure my grandmother, make sure my family, everybody was taken care of. Um, in 2012, my grandmother passed away. And after she did that, I mean, I kind of had to reflect back on life because the majority of my outside of work tasks were, you know, going to doctor visits and making sure she was taken care of and therapy and all that. And, you know, things change over time. So I, it was hard for me to think about myself. And when I finally started to think about myself, I think I went to a point where I just closed everybody else out. Mm. And it was all about my goals, what I wanted, me, 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 me. And that's all fine and dandy. You know, when you get the nice cars and, you know, you, you have nice things, after a certain point, you almost have a little bit of emptiness. And so what happened was as my daughter came out along, I started to realize that, man, this, life is a bigger picture. You know, I think life is smarter than what we think. I think if you look at it this way, if you're not contributing to life, if you're not really making an effort or an impact, or if you're not really contributing to a cause, you, you really don't feel 100%. We can, we can say, hey, look, I'm good, I'm great. You know, why not be better than great? Absolutely. Why not be better than good? And I always tell people this, you know, if I've done something to help somebody get further or, you know, um, put them in a better position, just pay it forward. And so my goals have changed over time and, you know, I want to make sure, you know, I have multiple goals. I don't have one set goal like, hey, I need to be a multimillionaire or, hey, I need to be a billionaire. I don't have one set goal like that. I'm enjoying the journey. And over time, you just have to love the journey. All we are is matter over time. And so you don't say, hey, you know, there's billionaires out there that are still going to work. Mm-hmm. Why go to work? If, if everyone, look, once I get to a million dollars, once I make a million dollars, then I'll be great. I'll be set. That's my ultimate goal. I want to be rich. What about being wealthy? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Absolutely. You know, it's a mindset. It's being able Mental to do wealth. what you want to do, what you want to do, with whom you want to do it. And that's what I strive for. You know, I want people around me, I want their life. My real goals are I really want people's lives to be better because I was in it. I want to leave an impact. I want to leave I want to leave a legacy. And so I want to have generational wealth where knowledge is passed down. So I have some short-term goals. I, I have big picture goals and you know, they always evolve, they always change. And you know, right now I'm writing a book and it's not done. <laughs> I'm I'm, yeah. I'm in the midst of it. I have about 150 chapter titles. It's gonna be a short read. It's kind of hard to say short when you have 150 chapter titles. <laughs> but the content, every chapter title, you know, it's a short read. So what I want is I want to leave an impact. And I remember, I remember going back, and these goals tie into, you know, what my grandmother used to teach me. You know, I remember one time I, I asked her, I said, how come no one really studied business and finance? And how come no one really, you know, wanted to be rich or wealthy? And she said, well, you know, hun." back when you were a child, we always had good times. You can always find a good job. You can always find work. You can always have, we had enough. Or we had just about enough. And you step back and look at all those things and where you are today and, you know, technology. See, things, things, the paradigms change. See, they may not have left me a legacy of finances or a house or this and that. And some people, they get left things or something tangible. But what they left me was, you know, you always say, you know, people leave a legacy to the children's children, and that's a good father. 
But sometimes it's not something that's physical. Sometimes it's an idea. Mm. See, what the what your parents and your grandparents, what they did was they ran their race as hard as they could with the resources they had, with the technology that was available at the time to them. And with the means that they had, they ran their race as hard as they possibly could. So when kids say, oh, well, why are you supposed to do or they have this entitlement or basically we ran our race. Now it's time for me to have you reach your hand back so I can put this baton in your hand to move forward. Because right. what happens is now it's your time to, to run your race. So I want to leave a legacy to where I'm leaving the biggest foundation possible for the next generation to run their legacy, their race. So when my daughter becomes a young lady, a woman, hmm. I want her to have her foundation. And so I want her to say, look, it's not just the financial, but I left ideas. I planted seeds. I planted, That's hey, this is all that I had. I plant this information. And um, I remember my uncle, he, you know, my mother, I, I was having a tough time. I was commuting back and forth from L.A. to, to San Diego going to work hmm. when I was in transition to, um, I was homeless for about six months. I was wow. transitioning to. For six to, months. Yeah. But I How made it work. That? Uh, it was tough. I made it work. Because um, some people can't survive. <clears throat> some people commit suicide. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was crazy. I was still going to work. But what happened was I gave up my apartment yeah. a little bit too early. And I ended up, I was sending money home to help take care of family. And when I was giving, you know, I was sending money home to take care of family, I ended up, um, you know, just, I got I got to that point where I said, look, I'm, what am I going to focus on? Most people say, oh, you should quit the job, man, this and that. I said, no, I got to see this thing out. I was trying to take care of family. So, you know, yeah. it's 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 what you do. It's just, it's just you're a man, you're a woman, soak up the responsibilities and go to work. And it's basically how you're going to make it work. And, that's, and, you know, pain is temporary and things will subside over time, you know. It's how you, it's how you take it. Yeah, it's how you take it. It's how you take it. But, you know, when you, when you look at things from a goal perspective getting back to you know just to finish that you should always set something higher than what you can achieve if you say i want to reach you know xyz heights then go try to get a little bit beyond that people look at a to z and say z is the highest you know what i'm gonna create some alphabets you ain't never heard of (laughs) (laughs) you know try to get a little bit higher than that you know you gotta you gotta always stretch to be better you raise the bar because what happens if you reach your goal okay I'm ready. Now I'm trying to die. No. You reach your goal. You're 25 years old. You're a millionaire. Okay, what are you going to do now? Try to help three other people become millionaires. And you know what? Try to help three people out of those three people. And just, just say, pay it forward. You have, to, you have to get to a point where think bigger than yourself. Because after you look at it and say, me, 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 I, 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 there are things out there, there are ways to give back there's you know you have to live to your full potential Mm. you know and if you don't i think mother nature is smarter than we think and mother nature said hey look well this person not contributing to my life here on this earth let me go ahead and take them out (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) you know it's like you know i remember my uncle telling me he left me some quotes he didn't leave me anything that was a legacy as far as physical but he left me some quotes and I mean, physical, like money or cash or house or car, I mean, that stuff, but he left me some quotes and he said, you know, finding a purpose in life is an immunization against sickness. Hmm. You know, I memorized these quotes. He said, you know, failure is an event. It's not a person. 
He said, the only failure is to not get up one more time and you've been knocked down. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like, you know, the weight of the world is on your shoulder, you feel like, you know, you got so many responsibilities. You know, one of the best things that I learned in my entire life is how to say no. <laughs> it's <hard. laughs> and it's hard. And it's hard. How do you say no to someone that, you know, is your loved one or someone that doesn't understand and they're three years old? Mommy, 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 I need you. I need you. I need your time. I need everything. You know, because even with your peers, you have to look at them and say, look, life doesn't respond to need. Life responds to deserve. And there's a lot of people that need, I need, I need, but I'm going to work with those who are willing to work. I'm going to work with the deserve. You know, I'm not going to major in minor things. I'm going to try to major in the things that are going to be a big impact in someone's lives. To work with someone who's tangible. Yeah, someone that's going to physically do something. Someone that's going to mentally, physically add and contribute to what their life path or whatever greatness that they want to become. I agree. So that was a long, drawn-out goal, but that's that was no, kind of like... No, that's amazing. You know, I, I don't, I, I can't sit down and say I have one goal, because, you know, if I had actually $10 million right now, $500 million... You have them, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> look, if, if, if you get to that point where you say, look, I accomplished my goal, okay, set a bigger goal. Mm-hmm. You don't get to a billion dollars yeah. and say, hey, look, that's all it. right, that's it, I'm done now, life. All right, take me out. That's how you extend your lifespan. Yeah. Hey, and you know what? Billionaires have 24 hours in a day, just like that. Yeah, absolutely. But it's how you use your time. Have you found your purpose, though? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Have you? You know what? I know my purpose is not done. Mm. And I'm not going to stop until, you know, I don't have any more breath in life. And I think purpose is, even when you know what your purpose is or you're driving to that, it's an ongoing task. I don't think purposes should be fulfilled. I think you should live in the moment of your purposes. So if you want to actually, if your purpose is to, you know, um, work in a cancer society for breast cancer, that should be an ongoing thing. You know, it shouldn't just be, all right, I, I, I help somebody and... You know, great, I feel good now. I fulfill my purpose. I, I helped one lady, she, she had breast cancer, and I fulfill my purpose. It should be a journey. I think goals should be a journey. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, yeah, to, to find my purpose, I think I'm living in it. Yeah, every day. Every day I'm getting stronger. Every day I'm getting wiser. Every day I'm learning something new. You never stop learning. I don't. Do you plan on quitting your job soon? You know, I always sit back and say, look, one bad day. Uh-huh. <laughs> one bad day. You know what? Man, that's a big one. You know, it's like I spent 17 years in the Federal Civilian Service. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something that has taught me so much um, working in the government. It's taught me discipline. I've learned things that I never thought that I would be able to learn or see myself learning. But to say, well, I quit one day I don't look at well traditional job yes absolutely <laughs> but to quit working no no I my my um my grandfather he was a World War II Navy vet 
he, he lived to be 93 and a half. He passed away, I'd say about three weeks before his 94th birthday. And I remember him being 84 years old. He was a diesel mechanic and in the military and the Navy, and he worked on diesel engines. And I remember always finding him. He was in his 80s, still working underneath his car. I was like, Grandfather, give me yeah. the tools. I, he said, well, give me a hand with this. And so he, you know, sometimes that's what keeps people going. I'm not saying the traditional job is the key for some people that is, but for me, one day I'll be able to walk away from it. And even trading and investing, it's an ongoing skill set. I don't even look at trading as a job. Like, oh, I have to trade today. I have to make this $500. I have to make this $1,000. I have to make this $2,000. It's, it's not a job. To me, it's a hobby. Because it's not, I don't get up in the morning to say, hey, I need a trade to be able to make money. I get up in the morning and say, hey, I have things that I want to take care of, and trading is the vehicle to get me to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing with the job. Hey, the job is the vehicle to get you to do that. You know, and until you, sometimes people have to start off that way. You know, it may be you got to start off saving your pennies and your dollars from the job so that way you have the money to trade with. You know, especially people who are very starting out, you know, not someone who said, hey, you know what, mom, dad gave me 10 grand, let me go trade with that. Let's see what you do, son. No, I mean, a lot of us are, you know, we have to work to create those accounts, and that's what's going to give us our start. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah, one day I'll be able to walk away from all that, and I do have an I'm not going to say I have an expiration date on when I'm going to retire, but, you know, um, I plan to one day not go to a traditional job. That's the goal. And you plan on not going to that traditional job when? I want what my thing is this. I want to be able to make triple my annual income. And once I do that, I'll feel I will feel more um, confident. You know, like I can, you know, I've had some good years. I've had I want to see some some I want to see more of the consistent, you know, annual income from trading you know so if you're making six figures and you know say well if I'm making six you know a hundred thousand in uh, my job I need to be able to make three hundred thousand here once I make three hundred thousand dollars a year okay well then you quit you know I mean you got to set your own goals whatever your goals are going to be but for me one of my mentors um, Jim Rohn he actually mentioned he said look I'm going to work part-time on I'm working full-time on my job now I can't just leave just yet but I'm working part-time on my fortune. And you know how you know how great that feels to say I'm going to work part-time on my fortune? That I'm able to actually get a little bit ahead. You change it, you know, they actually said look, the extra thousand dollars a month will change a person's zip code. Mm-hmm. You know? But that's a big goal to reach, don't you think? If I'm making six figures in one job and I only work half the month, I want to be able to do three times that amount mm-hmm. in the same amount of time, half the month. And I feel that's going to be a good goal for me. I think that's a good goal. And after you reach that goal, then you're going to extend. Yeah, and and even in the process, you can't, you don't have to say, look, let me, let me get to this point, and then I'll start these projects. No, no, you start them with what you have right now. It may be the hedge fund. It might be, you know, and you're always expanding and growing. Like I can't mm-hmm. say, well, once I get the money, then I'll start this. No, you have to start planning today. You got to start planning with what you have. I've already sat down and wrote out a three-year plan. Because some people can look back and say, hey, look, you know, I wish five years ago I wrote out a five-year plan. I know people can sit back ten years ago and say, hey, look, this wasn't the plan at all. <laughs> right? And so yeah. I do believe that you have to sit 
with your thoughts. And I had a multimillionaire friend who told me he, he was doing decent, you know, in his, in his career. He had about 10 investment properties, some in the beach areas. And, you know, he was really inspiring to me because he told me, he always used to say, Mark, he was like, if I can do it, you can do it. And one day I had to stop and say, why do you keep telling me that? And he said, dude, I was a high school dropout. I was a, I dropped out of junior high too. And he said, I got my GED, good enough wow. degree. And then he said, I went back to school. He got his degree, went into, um, I think, it, I don't know if it was oceanography or whatever the case is, but this guy worked for the National Weather Service. And he, and he told me, he was like, man, I only make 55 grand a year. But 55 grand a year? He literally had 10 investment properties that were all cash flow. So, you know, set your goals, write them down, and just work towards them every single day until you get it. Absolutely. Um, I have a couple more questions for you. Did you file your taxes as a professional trader um, in the first year? No, I did it as um, earned income on my social, so, you know, all that's taxed. You know, I mean, we can't hmm. personally get tax advice. I'm not licensed to do that. No, but, of course. But yeah, it was all earned. And then I actually created a corporation. And so after that, you know, you can trade for professional business. It was encouraged to me. You know, you start getting, you don't know everything right off the bat when you start off as a trader. You yeah. Know I mean, it's, exactly. there's, it's a learning process over time, you know, and I started noticing that the people who were around three, four, five years of students, they were like, you know, do you trade for business or do you trade as a business owner? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, everything you do, he was like, you know, there's tax advantages, there's, um, you know, you can trade as a, as a corporation, you know. I said, well, do I have to have a license and this and that? And so he said, well, no, you just need to figure out what kind of trader you're going to be and what asset group and there's different, you know, things as far as tax advantages that you have depending on what you're trading. And so the first year, no, it was all earned. And Uncle Sam wants his money. <laughs> he does. You know, he he got to pay up. But they say that the rich don't pay taxes. Oh, yeah, they do. They just pay less. They just pay less. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely do. They just pay less. I know that uh, you know, it's Robert ridiculous. Kiyosaki, oh. Robert Kiyosaki yeah, 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 yeah. pays no taxes from Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. He pays no taxes. Um... And what he does is that everything um, he spends money on, he... So sorry, guys. Sorry about that. It's just he got a really long hair. So Robert Kiyosaki, he he pays taxes. Um, or are you saying he doesn't pay taxes on anything? He, he doesn't pay taxes because he writes off everything. Like, if he goes out for dinner... Um, with friends or with like a girlfriend, it's a business dinner. If you buy suits, yeah, um, he he okay. always puts it at the end that he he bought this suit for a business. If he goes on vacation, he writes it off because um, it was a business trip. If he you know everything he spends money on, he writes it off. Okay, I'm 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 gonna okay as a business owner. Yeah. As a professional trader. I'm going to leave out the legalities and the can-dos and don'ts as far as trading and investing. And you always have to seek, you know, professional tax advice when it comes to that. But I'm just going to put it like this. Um, as a person who works a 9 to 5 or, and you're making a significant amount of middle status income, having a business in addition to that, 
can give you quite a bit of advantages. And I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. All right. Have one more question. Sure. You have kids, right? Yeah. Does that push you more to work harder and leave a legacy behind? No, they got to fend for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what? It's like I have to look back at myself and say, okay, if I would have had the proper grounding coming out of high school, going into college, if I would have had the education paid for, maybe I could focus on school a little bit more, you know, and I mean, because when I was in school, I had, I worked two jobs. I was, um, I was going to school full time. I had 15 units and I was um, working uh, six days a week. And I remember I was just wanted it bad. I didn't, you know, I felt, but I did feel like I was going through the motions because I was working so hard. I was working at a school district after school program every single day. And, you know, doing, you know, I had a bunch of, you know, elementary school kids I worked with, but I feel like maybe if I would have cut out the school or maybe if I would cut out the, the work part and focus more on school, you know, I don't know if I, you know, it's the shoulda, coulda, woulda. You don't know if you would have been the same person, the same mindset. Maybe I would have been programmed through the traditional um, way of how everybody else does it. You know, go to school, get good grades, so you can pay for school, get a good job. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's it's kind of a backward treadmill thing, and and I don't have like all these student loans and all this debt, you know, because I didn't grow up with money, so I had financial aid, and I didn't have to pay any of that back, you know. It wasn't loans, it was grants, and mm. you know, I qualified for grants and stuff, but when it comes to getting, you know, having family and wanting them to have the best, you know what, I think I would rather a person or a child to have their education, but go to school for what you want to do, what you really want to, what you love, not just because it's going to make you some kind of money. There's so many people out there, I think they said something like 78% of the people hate their jobs. Yeah. Right? And it's go to school for something that you love. And if you're going to get into that field, like do it because you're in love with it. Do it because it's, it really, it makes you feel good, you know, that you're part of it. So that way, when things get tough, you don't want to quit just because the things are tough. It's a growing experience. Right. You know, so I, I hope to leave a legacy. I mean, well, my daughter, she's, when she turns 18, I already have investments already set up for her. Where wow, she'll have, you're a good uh, dad. She's already got $65,000 for this side. Holy shit. For education. So when she's 18, wow. you know, but when it comes to, you know, for me, I feel the fact that, you know, my grand, my mom, she didn't actually allow me to work when I was in high school. Why is that? Um, she wanted me to focus on school. But I really wanted to work because I didn't want to ask her for anything. I wanted to be my own person at that point. I was 16, 15 years old. You wanted to, I really wanted to make, you know, my own money. I wanted to buy my own stuff. I didn't want her, because I, I saw her working extremely hard and I didn't want her to have to come into, you know, debt or something. Like if I was playing sports or, you know, I wanted to make my money. So my uncle, he actually allowed me to work with him on the weekend sometimes. And I would make a little bit of capital, you know, a little bit of money on the side. But, yeah, you know, I was, I was the, my mom was like, okay, go to school, get yeah. some good grades so you can get into a good school, you know? Yeah, well, the thing is that a lot of high school students, they drop out and focus on making money. And I think that's what your grandma wanted to prevent you from doing, was 
Yeah, my mom and grandma, they didn't want me to focus on work. They wanted me to focus on school. So. Which was a good thing, you know? In a way. I In a way. I mean, the public system is all jacked and corrupted. That's a different day. You can say. But Robert Kiyosaki says, it doesn't matter what field you're in, whether it's if you're a writer. Um, if you're a writer, for example, and you want to publish a book, you don't just go to school for writing. You, you go to school for marketing. Because how is your book going to be the best-selling author? How is it going to be the best published book? You know, you have to go to school on, on, on learning how to market, how to sell, um, to improve yourself. Like Robert Kiyosaki, he went to law school. He went uh, to school for accounting. I mean, etc. right? But he went to, to law school because he knew that in the future he would deal with legal cases. You know, so... Yeah, I, I had a mentor who said, look, you know, most people, they want to go and let's say you want to open a franchise and, you know, you can spend hours and hours in school and business and this and that, but he said, you know what, one day in the field is worth a year in a classroom. And what he meant by that was that, you know, jump into the corridor of the business you want to learn. By jumping into the corridor of that business, you're going to learn more from the insides of the inner workings of how things actually operate, the entire operations versus trying to go to school to learn everything about it. So there's some there's some truth in that. You know, I mean, jumping to the corridor of the business you want to do, you learn more in that than you would of 10 years of research on the outside. So, you know, what Robert Kiyosaki is saying is, you know, I saw an interview with him one day, and he was inter- being interviewed by a lady who said, well, you're not a good writer, and you're not, and she was ringing him out. Mm-hmm. And Robert Kiyosaki was saying, I want you to pay attention to one thing turn to the front of my cover of my book it says best seller mm-hmm. it doesn't have to say best writer it doesn't have to say best author best seller and so that's what he went to school for marketing you know finance you know he had his rich dad who was his coach mm-hmm. he had his poor dad which was his actual biological father and he said you know his his whole story was that his poor dad ran against the governor of his town or something and he ended up never having to have a work you know he didn't like it he ended up not having to work or find work in the state of Hawaii so his dad tried to open his own business up and he failed he didn't have the financial foundation and what Robert Kiyosaki said was that his rich dad had it his rich dad was like he was a college dropout or a high school dropout whatever yeah. the case was and he made millions through real estate and investments and it doesn't. You don't have to be great. You just get to work. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Well, thank you again, Lamar, for um, meeting with me today. I really appreciate your visit and your knowledge. Um, you're, you're a very wise man. Um, do you want to tell the audience or give the audience your social media or email or any way that they can contact you for future advice? Um, let's, let's let's do that in the um, the next few series that we're gonna do. Okay. And because um, I'm gonna kind of give a little bit about my book and. I feel like everyone wants to do it for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why you know, well, this is the very first one. It's kind of intro and and getting into you know just just getting to know the person. So if we're gonna you know we plan to do a, a part two and part three series. Yes. And let's finish the series and then we'll we'll go into that part. Sounds great. All right. Let's do it. All right, guys. See you guys soon. Um, again.